Hello and welcome to the CIO UK podcast, a regular dose of discussion, hobnobbing, musings, hype vetting and futuristic conjecture with the Chief Information Officer community in the UK. I'm Edward Qualtro, I'm the editor of CIO UK and I was delighted to be joined recently by the new CIO at the Natural History Museum, Alison Davis, who was joined by her two predecessors, Ian Golding, the interim CIO for just over a year and who helped define the new permanent role, and Ian's predecessor, David Thomas, who was in the post for just over six years. One week and one day into her new position, Alison, together with Ian and David, discussed digitisation, the sustainability agenda at the Natural History Museum, and the social, scientific and global role the institution has beyond its duties of archiving and displaying its vast collection, as well as some of the anecdotes about their favourite displays and memories at the museum. Hello, welcome to the CIO UK podcast. Could you please introduce who you are, where we are, and your relationship to where we are as well, please? So, I'm David Thomas. We're in the Natural History Museum. I was the Chief Information Officer here for six or seven years. Um, Left a couple of years ago. I'm sitting here with my fellow CIO um, colleagues, and uh, my relationship with this building is I wandered around it Many times as a child, I had even more fun wandering around it as an employee, finding the nooks and crevices and the 80 million, 86 million specimens behind the scenes that the public don't see. Fantastic. I know you're on a relatively tight schedule. What is your sort of fondest memory of working here and perhaps your favourite part of the museum in the, in the collection as well? So I think my fondest memory is tripping over school kids with big uh, wide eyes looking at um, just the wonder of nature in the Cathedral of Nature. It's a wonderful building, but just about everything that's in it has a story um, and can inspire the children. Um, Probably the other thing is the parts that people don't see. I think more than 60% of the building is not open to the public. So being able to look at whales' earplugs and hearing about the story of how you can understand the chemistry of the ocean by slicing up whales whales earplugs or looking at rhinoceros um, specimens from under London from tens of thousands of years of years ago those are the inspiring parts of being a CIO the technology and the information and the data and the challenges and the day job they're just easy by comparison wonderful thank you very much and I'm gonna segue over Two, I think you hinted at who we were as well. So, could you, same question as you, who are you and what's your relationship to where we are at the moment? Hello, Ed. I'm Ian Golding. I'm currently the interim CIO at the Natural History Museum, but outgoing, as we will hear in a moment, I think from Alison Davis, who you'll introduce to us shortly. And I've been spending about the last year or so helping the museum to create its digital twin technology vision and connecting the technology that includes data, digital and IT to the museum's new strategy. Indeed, so we caught up in, I want to say, August or September 2019 and you discussed some of the initiatives that were going on at the museum and also the recruitment process for a permanent CIO. But could you just give us the uh, snapshot overview of what has happened in the intervening uh, months? I suppose the culmination of all of that work has been, uh, well, as well as the great technology partnerships that we've got underway with the museum, um, is that we had 1,090 applications for the new museum CIO role and delighted now that um, through that process, getting all the right stakeholders on board and redefining a new role, we've got Alison Davis ready to take on that mantle. 
Fantastic. And maybe that's the... Actually, before I come over to Alice, I'm going to ask the same question that I asked to David as well. So your um, fondest memories of your time here and your favourite part of the collection as well? Uh, Perhaps the most iconic one being the connection with my past, which is the blue whale hanging in the Hintzy Hall, which is called Hope as a symbol for humanity as blue whales were hunted down by um, humans and uh, became nearly extinct but then humans also decided to save the blue whales which are now uh, surviving so it's a symbol for humanity indeed that was the one that was beached at Wexford I believe you might be able to correct my history I'm getting nods of approval so so I don't think that pipe picked up a beached at Wexford in 1891 according to Ian Okay, so uh, you introduced Alison. So, Alison, welcome back to the CIO UK podcast because you were our first guest back in January 2018 with Trevor Didcock. So, welcome back. Thank you. Yes, I was, but that was back when I was at the Francis Crick Institute. So, uh, uh, a bit of a change, but uh, still around science, which is fantastic. So, you are one week and one day I think into your new role and like Ian said over 1,000, 1,090 applications so what are uh, some of the plans, the strategies some of the things you're, you're most excited about, some of the things that came up during the um, process about the building's role as a museum and also as a, as a research and scientific institution as well that really sort of can't wait to get your get your teeth stuck into so one of the great things for me is thanks to the work that ian and dave have done the role's been really defined as a cio for the museum as a whole so it means that i'm not needing to spend time in the the day-to-day it operation as such it lets me be very much more strategic which is fantastic and a, a great opportunity the museum's just launched its strategy to 2031, which will actually be the, the 150th anniversary of the museum. And there are a number of great initiatives that are going on as part of that. But really there are, I suppose, four things that I, I think about very strongly from an IT perspective that are going to be very exciting. <clears throat> One is something that's already underway that Dave was instrumental in setting up and Ian has, has continued. The award-winning... Um, program to digitise the collection. So we have well over 80 million, um, so between 80 and 86 million specimens here in the collection. We want to increase the reach of that to researchers, so that's in the process of being digitised, and that's things from the scale of flies to the scale of the blue whale in the Hintzy Hall um, have to be digitised and to be able to be presented virtually. Um, to researchers which means that they can see them when they're outside the the museum and that's fantastic because it lets research have a much wider reach into the the museum's collection and our capabilities so that's one of the the big things we also are working on um, the museum's sustainability agenda so the museum is very keen to be a sustainable organisation in its own right Uh, We have declared a a planetary emergency and we know that we're losing species. We all need to make a step change in what we do for the environment. The museum wants to do that. As part of that, we have a digital twin initiative where we are looking at how the museum is used and the ability to, to use that to digitally map the museum to be able to do things like saving electricity um, that could 
A, save the museum money that it can be investing in the collection, but B, in, enable it to deliver its sustainability goals is really important. And we're not doing that by <clears throat> necessarily doing a huge project. We, we are hoping that we will get some external funding, some exter external partnerships for this. Um, we're, we're talking to some very good friends and good partners. But also we're looking at how we can creatively use the data that's available through the sensors in the museum itself. Some fantastic work going on with the, the IT team here about the fact that we have sensors all around the museum looking at the organisation today and how can we creatively use that data. It's one of the nice things when you're in an environment where money is quite tight. It, it forces a creative use of IT that I think is, can be inspiring. So I'm very impressed with what the team here are doing in regard to that. Then there are two more practical things. We are looking at um, potentially a new digitization center. There will be work to be done to set that up that will include IT infrastructure, that will include IT capabilities for digitization, for research computing. And we also need to replace our collections management system, which is a very specific system. Again, we have around 86 million items in the collection and we need to be able to catalogue those. And that's not a straightforward undertaking. You know, how you catalogue a whale is quite different to how you might catalogue a rock, to how you might catalogue a fly. So finding a system that will be able to manage all that data that can take increasing types of data, for example, genetic data in the future, um, that's going to be another real challenge. So I think those, those are probably the four projects that are going to keep me occupied for the next few years, as well as just making sure everything runs. I'm going to have a follow-up question about the uh, sustainability agenda, but I wanted to um, dial back to the digitization project, and I'm looking at a wonderful uh, photo montage that uh, Ian Golding posted on one of the popular enterprise social networking uh, channels about a week and a half ago and I was going to ask was there an award you won and any colleagues in particular that are worthy of praise for the uh, uh, digitization initiative? Uh, the digital collections program has actually won two awards this year and the the November award was the UK IT Industry Awards, which is, I think, very well deserved and actually something that uh, Dave Thomas established before my time here. And it's uh, fantastic to see that go from one level to the next. And then, as Alison just described, uh, even more having greater purpose in how that uh, data can be shared openly and used by other scientists and researchers around the globe. Fantastic. Anything to add quickly or...? Well, no, I, I mean, I would just say it's a long-term effort. So if you look at a lot of even national museums, they count their collections in the uh, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. So the museum, I think, has probably digitised four or five million items in its collection, which is a massive, massive undertaking already, but it's barely started. So, you know, what I'm most proud about with the Digital Collections Programme is it still exists and it's still headline news five years after setting it up because of what it's achieved and it, and it has every right to, to be very proud of what it's achieved and it's not just mass digitization as, as as Alison hinted you know the challenge of digitization is not taking pictures it's actually working out what you're looking at yeah and handling the material um, it's also other um, challenges um, you know in terms of digitization about how you use it Alison mentioned researchers the public care about this stuff 
and actually only a small proportion of the collection is on display, but the stories associated with the stuff that isn't on display are transformative if you tell those stories to the right people at the right time. So digitisation really unlocks digital um, for, for museums of scale, and people should care about nature. So, you know, there's lots of different things which I look back on with pride, but that's one. I mean, mobile first, connectivity, trying to treat our visitors in more coherent ways rather than just giving them a great day out. And I'm delighted that, you know, I've, I've been in touch with Ian and, um, and now, now Alison, and I'm just delighted that such fantastic people are moving it forward because it really matters. You know, this place matters and museums and cultural heritage matters to the UK. And I'm sorry I've got to go but I really appreciate the time talking. Thank you. Truly no need to apologise whatsoever. Um, Back to Alison. I'm going to ask you a a double question now because you and uh, Dave were talking before about uh, collaboration between CIOs in the sector and then I was going to come back to that uh, sustainability piece as well because I was going to mention the CIO 100 initiative this year we have included a question about the role that CIOs and IT directors uh, are playing with their teams in sort of realising their organisation's sustainability goals. So what's my double-pronged question there? Importance of collaboration between CIOs and the sector and what what is the important role that CIOs play for their organisations in becoming greener? So I think CIOs have a huge role to play in sustainability. The museum is aiming to be the very first museum in the world um, to set a science-based carbon uh, reduction target in line with the Paris Climate Agreement. So here particularly, but everywhere, I think CIOs have a huge role to play in sustainability because um, it's, it's multifactorial. Firstly, there's the role we can play in terms of the procurement we do for our own organisations. So there's what we do in the IT that we provide, both in terms of Uh, the carbon footprint of what we source but also in things like laptops and being able to travel with kit um, how you use printing so there's all the things we do as IT to be more sustainable there's then enabling the rest of the organisation's sustainability agenda and simply um, encouraging our own teams, our own staff to be advocates for sustainability to participate in an organisation wide sustainability agenda And then finally, there's all the analytics that we can produce that support a sustainability agenda. So we can actually actively help the organisation more widely to manage its own sustainability by providing better BI, better analytics about how we're using things. So, for example, in in my last role before coming to the museum, I was actually at GE Life Sciences. They just set up a sustainability group. Um, and particularly looking at things like manufacturing and how single-use plastics were used in manufacturing and using the manufacturing systems to be able to support understanding some of those things and analysing how you can be more efficient in the wider organisation is really important. So I think we have those three roles to play. Fantastic. And there was the uh, bit that I tried to squeeze in as well. Uh, Collaboration between CIOs in this sector, which is a, a new sector for you. Yes, so I'm new to the museum sector, not so new to the research sector through the CRIC. And I think the lovely thing about uh, academia, research, museums, is that it's very collaborative. It's not competitive like a commercial environment is. So there's much more opportunity to share learnings and to be able to look at what we're all doing 
and potentially to share resources because we don't have to be competitive. So to create um, data environments where we're, we're sharing um, cloud-based environments so that we're not all replicating uh, the same infrastructure, for example, which again has got to be better for sustainability. So I think for me, I, I'm, I suppose, collaborative by nature. I find it satisfying working for a, a shared endeavour, whether that's at the museum, whether that's at an international level, whether that's at a national level. But I think also from a sustainability point of view, you can't declare UDI on this stuff. You, no one can be unilateral we are only going to save the planet if we do it together. Um, we can't make a difference unless we do it together. So I think the importance of trying to work in lockstep with partners and to have similar thinking and shared thinking and how we can collectively improve things is really vital. Thank you. I've got a sort of final, maybe I'll think of another one in the meantime and Ian will jog my memory. I've got a, a very loaded question. Uh, so the first time when you joined the podcast with Trevor Didcock, who's a CIO 100 panellist, I asked about the uh, uh, value of CIOs who are putting themselves forward who may, may or may not be thinking about it. Now, you've been uh, recognised a few times and been a high fly. You've only been in this role for a week, so I'm assuming uh, we're not going uh, <laughs> to hear from yourself. But do you have any words of encouragement to other CIOs about the value of putting themselves forward and having their team and their organisation recognised in, in a sort of a peer-reviewed initiative like that? Like I said, a loaded question. It's fun. I think I actually remember pretty much what I said last time. Uh, so I, I think there is huge value in doing this. I find it personally quite difficult, and I understand why people find it difficult to put themselves forward for these things because it is maybe it's, it's a, a national characteristic but it's something that we're not comfortable with but having been the CIO 100 a few times having had at least one other award um, I think the value of it is you get to meet other people who are in the CIO 100 the networking is fantastic the opportunity to, to meet other inspiring people there are still people who inspire me out there um, and I love to, to be able to network with the other people who get into the CIO 100 and learn what they're doing. And I think that's a really good reason for it. The other spin-off benefits that I found from being in the CIO 100 and, and other activities that are similar uh, that I hadn't really anticipated was that the value my team put on it. I was always a little bit worried that this felt a bit individualistic. And clearly, uh, when I was in it and when I was at the Crick, it was very clear to me that I wasn't achieving any of this on my own, that you only achieve this by having a fantastic team behind you. And therefore it feels a bit unfair to being, being recognised as an individual. But actually I think that the team did take it as a team recognition and they also appreciated the external visibility that that recognition gives for the work that's going on in the organisation. And it actually makes it easier to recruit as well. So if you are in an academic institution, if you're somewhere where, let's be honest, unlike the commercial sector, can't pay as well, but a lot of people in this, these environments do it because we love being in the environment, uh, it really motivates us, then I think that external visibility is increasingly important for the recruitment message as well. Thank you. And I'd 
add that from being in the room, I think the panel, the, those jury, the judges, they do respond well to the, the CIOs who uh, respond to questions, bigging up the team and what those people did rather than yelling, uh, me, 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 me. Uh, so, uh, any final words? Because I don't want to take too much of your... I'm getting a, a head nod from Ian. I know Alison has got a very full-on schedule in her, in her second week. So, yes. have you got a burning desire to share anything else? Or... No, I, well, so the the only thing I would say is that I haven't that I haven't said already is just how fantastic this is as a place. I think you know, if people haven't been to the Natural History Museum, they should come. Uh, one of the crucial things is that it's not just about visiting the museum and seeing the dinosaurs. It's about people really understanding what's happening to the planet. We want to create advocates for the planet. Um, I'm a newly created evangelist for um, planetary saving and uh, I think it's it's vitally important that through the work of the museum we create advocates for the planet it's something that motivates me um, and I, I just wish more people would come and see it because it is it is a fantastic place to be it's a, a privilege to work here so uh, thank you David has left us thank you Ian for being another guest and Alison who has uh, joined the CIO podcast for a second time so my first and possibly last guest as well so thank you very much thank you thanks then to Alison Davis the new CIO at the Natural History Museum as well as her two predecessors Ian Golding and David Thomas it was an absolute privilege to be joined by all three of you As usual, all feedback, constructive and otherwise, is more than welcome, and the best way to get in touch with us is via our social channels, which are at CIOUK on Twitter and LinkedIn, while we also recommend that you are subscribed to our podcast on SoundCloud, where it is hosted, or indeed on iTunes. We hope that you have enjoyed listening, and we hope that you are able to join for upcoming episodes, as well as checking out previous ones.